worship you, Jesus. We bless your name, God. You're worthy, Jesus. There's no one like you, God. There's no one like you, Jesus. Oh, we lift you up, Lord. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we magnify your name, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Oh, what an incredible presence of the Lord that's in this place right now. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just lift your hands for a moment? The presence of the Lord is in this place right now. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, anything can happen. Anything can happen in this place right now. The presence of the Lord is in this place right now. Jesus Christ is walking through the aisles of this building and He's searching for those that are reaching for Him. If I've learned anything over the years of being in church and growing up in the apostolic movement, it's that wherever there's a need, you will always find Jesus. Because He moves to where the needs are and He waits for those that have the need in their life. He waits for the moment that they reach out to Him because when they reach out to Him all of a sudden then He can't restrain Himself anymore because it's His children, it's His people. And when there's a need in their life He says, I have to, I must needs go there. And He reaches out to them and He gives them hope and He gives them healing and He gives them restoration. I believe before we leave this place today, I feel it so strong in the Holy Ghost that before we walk out of this place today, that we will see a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. There will be a demonstration of God's power that takes place here today. We will not leave this place the same, but we will walk out of this place different today, changed under the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I speak it, I claim it in faith right now. Yes, God. Yes, God, our spirit says amen. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an incredible presence of the Lord that's in this place. Thank you, worship team, for carrying us into the presence of God. Amen. JR, thank you again for the invitation. And I give honor to you and your wife. Looking forward to working with you and students in the Apostolic Church of Belleville. I believe God's got great things in store. Amen. Amen. Pastor Sabolchi, thank you so much for opening your pulpit to me as well. I do not take it lightly. I give you honor. Man, I count it a privilege to stand behind any pulpit, especially on a Sunday, because it could be a pastor standing here. So I thank you for it. I give you honor today. Amen. I'm so thankful my wife and my girls are here with me today. Due to the nature of travel, sometimes they're not always able to go with me. And I always tell everybody, I said, you're getting the, the least, I said, of the, the 25% of our family. I said, but I promise you, today you got the better 75% right there, sitting there. You may hear them backing me up every now and then. And that's all right. They preach with that day. And I thank God for it. Amen. I want to turn your attention to the book of Mark, chapter 3. Also good to be here with family. Amen. I love 
Jake and Becca so much. My Aunt Faith sitting there. Amen. Love and appreciate them so much. Amen. Man, it's always good to be with family. Thanks for allowing another Heil in the room. Occasionally, you can only usually handle about one of us. Mark chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. It says, and he entered, talking about Jesus, he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. And so they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, talking about the Pharisees. They wanted to know what he was going to do. So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. And he said to them, talking about the Pharisees, he says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? They didn't say a word because he had them. He had him. He had the cat by the tail. And they kept silent. So when he had looked around at them, he, he was angry. He was frustrated because they wouldn't answer him. And so he said, I'm going to show you what's right to do here. And it says, and being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And immediately he stretched it out and his hand was restored as the other. Jesus looks at a man with a withered hand, and the Bible doesn't tell us how long it was like that, but it does tell us that his hand was withered. He couldn't open it. He couldn't move it. It was paralyzed. And with the simple spoken word of God Almighty, he says, stretch forth your hand. And in that moment, healing takes place. I'm here to tell you today that the word of God will go forth, and if you respond as that man with the withered hand, you'll find healing today. You'll find restoration today. You will be made whole today just simply by obeying the word of the Lord. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to speak to you right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that's in this place. God, I know where your spirit is. God, anything is possible right now. Lord, so I'm asking today, God, as your word goes forth, God, let it find good ground in every heart. I pray, God, let there be good ground today to receive that word, God, because I believe today if we can receive the word with faith, God, that your word will accomplish everything that your will desires today. God, I speak in faith right now. God, let doubt be gone. God, let frustration, God, with the situations be gone. God, let our focus be turned solely to you today. God, in faith, believing that you are able to do everything that your word commands. Let it be done today, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Christ and we'll give you all the glory and the honor for it in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen clap your hands as you are seated before the Lord so upon study scripture does not tell us why the man's hand is withered it was a common belief in biblical times that if someone had an ailment in their body that they believed that it was because it was a direct result of sin or sin of the parents and so scripture does not allude as to what happened to this man's hand. It doesn't even indicate as to why this man's hand was the way that it was. And it doesn't even tell us how long it's been this way. It just says it's been that his hand is withered. And what's often interesting at times is that we may get frustrated because we want to know, well, how long has it been like this? Because that's the, if you go to the doctor, one of the first things they ask you, well, how long have you been suffering with this? How long? And you go, well, I don't know, about so long. I remember when it started hurting. When was that? It was then. That's when it started hurting. Some people can't even remember when it started hurting. It just hurts. 
But they want to ask, when did it start? And it's incredible that the great physician doesn't ask the man, how long has it been like this? And he doesn't ask him what happened that started to cause that hand to draw up because Scripture doesn't say that he was born this way. So then we have to believe that if he wasn't born with a withered hand, then that hand was the one that started to slowly close up without understanding. And here's what's so interesting about it, is that while Scripture doesn't tell us, the answer is in the missing information. To God, it doesn't matter how long it's been that way. And it doesn't matter why it's that way. He said, I can heal no matter how long it's been that way. I can restore no matter why it is that way. He said, it doesn't matter what doctors want to say. He said, I'm here to tell you. He said, I can heal it no matter what. You see, because if we would have asked the children of Israel, how long have you been in bondage? And they would have said 400 years. Some of us would have said, it's too long. You're too far gone. But God said, that's nothing to me. He said, so he said, he said, your bondage doesn't scare me. He said, it doesn't matter if it's a generational bondage. He said, it doesn't matter if it just started yesterday. He said, the reason doesn't matter to me. He said, because I can still heal the same way. I can still deliver the same way. I can still restore the same way. See, it doesn't matter to God why you are the way you are because it might have been because of some circumstances in your life that have happened. And God says, you know what? He said, it might have been family that has put you in this situation. It might have been decisions of your own that has landed you where you are right now. He says, no matter the reason, he said, I still deliver the same. And so many times we get hung up on the information that we want to explain to God. Well, here's why I am the way that I am. See, here's, here's why. God, let me give you the backstory of it. And God goes, I was there. He said, I've been with you all the way through. He said, whether it was that decision you made back then, he said, I was there and I watched you do it. He said, and you know what? He said, I'm going to take it and I'm going to work it for your good. He said, it might have been the family circumstance that you were born into and you didn't have a choice and this is just the way life is. And he says, you know what? That's okay. He said, watch what I can do with a family that's all messed up. He said, I can put it back together again. He said, I can take some things that are bad and I can turn it into something good. He said, it doesn't matter why you are the way you are. He said, the only thing you need to know is who I am and why I am. He said, because let me tell you something. He told the, he told the disciples, he said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, so it doesn't matter why you are the way you are as long as you know that I am. He said, because as long as you know that I am, he said, then I can heal and I can deliver and I can restore. See, you have to know whenever you go in, I'm not going to a doctor hoping that he can give me an answer. I'm going to the answer himself. I'm not going looking for a prescription for healing. I'm talking to healing. I'm talking to the one that the word of God said that healing virtue was in his wings. That's why the woman with the issue of blood was able to touch just the hem of his garment. All she got was just the wings. But you know what? There's healing there and that's all you needed. See, I'm telling you, it's, it's, we, we get hung up on things sometimes. We get hung up on this and the fact that Luke is the one that tells us that it was actually the man's right hand. He says the right hand, and you say, well, why is that so significant? Because there's a couple reasons here. Scripture often refers to the right hand, and the right hand often refers to power. So now the man has lost his power. His power has withered up. That's also the hand of fellowship, that when you saw someone, you greeted someone. So now he's also lost fellowship because of that hand. So now when someone sees it, he can't extend a hand of fellowship. He can't extend a hand of power. Now he can't work. He can't fellowship. Guess what happens? Things start to wither up, not just in his hand, but in his spirit. 
I feel it right now in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes what happens in circumstances in our life, we couldn't control why it started to wither up. But the problem is it doesn't just wither up on the outside. Something starts to wither up on the inside. And we start to recruit a little bit away from everybody else. And we start to pull back a little bit from the social life of church. And we start to withdraw from our brothers and from our sisters. And the power that we used to feel in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden, it starts to withdraw a little bit. And we just want to back up because we say, this is my identity. And God says, no, 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 no. He says, that's not your identity. He said, that may be where you are right now. He said, but I'm about to give you a word that's going to change your life. He said, no longer is this going to be who you are. He said, but I'm going to tell you to do something. He said, that's going to change your life forever. It's interesting that Jesus tells the man the paradox of this whole scenario is that Jesus tells a man with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Now, if I can be honest with you, the sarcastic side of me says, wouldn't that be nice? You go, like I didn't think of that before. And see, sometimes God will tell us to do some of the simplest things, and we go, yeah, okay. And he goes, you going to try it? Okay, fine. See, because how many times do you think that man woke up and said, today's the day. Gets that big stretch out of bed, and he goes, nope, not today. And he tries. Maybe he goes to the synagogue, and the new rabbis begin to speak about healing. And he hears them quoting the prophet. And he says, that there, he says that there will be healing. He said, because of the stripes upon his back, I can find healing. Maybe that's it. Maybe he goes back and he finds out that he says that there's healing in his wings. And he goes, okay, well, then I claim healing. And it doesn't happen. How many times have we walked into a church service saying, today is the day. This will be the day of deliverance. And we walk out of here, and the next day we struggle with the same thing that we battled with before. And see, here's the problem, is we can get frustrated enough that whenever God speaks the word, we say, I've tried that, I've heard it, it didn't work. You got anything else? And see, what happens is that then we turn a deaf ear to Jesus Christ himself. And the paradox of this is he tells the man a simple thing, stretch forth your hand. And what's interesting is you don't find a bit of hesitation in this man. He just says, okay. Now what? You see, it would be very easy to just say, I've tried that before, and God says, I understand where you've been. He said, but you never operated with my word. He said, you might have operated on your own unction on what you wanted. He said, but you were never operating with my word. He said, you were never operating with my command to tell you, here's what I want you to do. See, it's a different thing whenever you have a word that you're living off of, all of a sudden now it gives you purpose and it starts to give you direction on what you need to do. I'm telling you, without a word from God, you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You have to have a direct word from God because when God gives you a direct word, then you can walk in authority and you can say, you know what, I've tried this before, but I'm going to do it again. And you see, what happens is you could be like Peter. Jesus tells Peter, he steps into the, he looks in, gets in the boat and he goes, Peter says, go on out. He said, and, uh, drop your net. And Peter goes, dude, we fished all night. He goes, nothing. Do you see an empty boat? That's what we caught. We caught a cold. That's it. And, but Peter still states his case. Sister Melissa, I appreciate this about Peter. I, I relate with him. He was a loud mouth, as most Hiles are. We like to think that. 
Peter was a loud mouth. You didn't have to question what he was thinking. Why? Because he said it. He said it. Peter, apparently his wife wasn't around a lot because I can promise you my wife has kept me from a lot of these moments. But Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, he says, launch out into the deep, drop down your nets, catch fish. And Peter goes, been there, done that, went there all night, didn't catch a thing, got any other ideas. But then Peter stops and he goes, nevertheless, nevertheless. See, somebody needs to get a nevertheless in their spirit and go, yeah, okay, I, I've tried it, and I, I don't like it, but nevertheless, if that's your word, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. See, the children of Israel, when they marched around Jericho, he just said, I want you to just march around one time, don't say a word. He said, on the seventh day, he said, go around seven times. He said, on the seventh time, then I want you to shout. And everybody goes, okay, nevertheless. I don't agree with it. Nevertheless, I'm going to do it. That's called submission. That's called submission. Whenever you're submitted to God, let me tell you, nothing becomes impossible to you. Whenever you say, God, not my will, but your will be done, then all of a sudden, now you took control from your hands and you put it in the hands of the master and you say, at your word, I'm going to do this. And you see what happens is, is you give God control and you just start to let go and you go, okay, God, you do what you need to do. And God all of a sudden does what God does best and that starts to put all the pieces back together again. See, I'm here to tell you so many times we think in life that the enemy is going to tell you that every promise that you ever heard from God was dead and gone. And he's going to tell you, you could keep, hang keep hanging on to that, but it's already gone. It's already expired. I'm here to tell you the promises of God don't have expiration dates. They don't go bad two weeks after you bought it. It doesn't need updated every three weeks. I'm here to tell you the promises of God are yea and they are amen. I'm standing right now on a promise from God that I hold two little promises every day of my life. That I'm here to tell you the promise may not come when you want it, but it always shows up just in time. I'm here to tell you the promises of God will not fail you. They will not leave you. But the promises of God will carry you all the way through where you need to go. But the enemy is going to tell you that promise is dead, so don't you worry about it anymore. He's going to tell you, God failed you. My God, help us. I feel it so strong right now. If I can be very, very honest with you, the two girls that we're holding right now, if you look at them, you can understand they are biologically not ours. They don't have my hair nor my wife's. They're not biologically ours. There's a lot of ups and downs and things that have happened there. And I've watched, and I sat there, if I can be very honest, Pastor Sabolchi, I sat in a courtroom, and I felt like God failed me. I sat there and I watched because the great judge sat silent. And I walked out of that room that day. And Jake, I sat there, and I called my pastor, and I called my friends, and I said, God failed me today. I said, he didn't say a word. Here I'm thinking to myself, God gave me a promise, and now he's going to revoke it. He's going to pull it back. And I sat there, and I was so frustrated because I thought, even though the promise came around, the promise is going to die. The promise is going to die. And I'm here to tell you, God's promises never fail. They never fail. You go back into 1 Kings, and you find out that Elijah had gone to the widow in Zarephath, and he says, he says, hey, he says don't worry. He said, everything's going to be all right. She goes, look, I'm going to make some cake, and we're going to die. That's all it is. He said, no, you're not. It's going to be all right. He says, it's going to be all right. He said, take care of me. I'm here to tell you, take care of God first. Take care of God first. Even when you don't feel like it, take care of God first. Even when you don't have it in the bank account, take care of God first. 
Because when you take care of God first, God begins to take care of everything else. And so what happens, we find out in 1 Kings that this, this widow says, okay, as you command, nevertheless. And she makes that little cake for, for Elijah first, and he eats. And you know what? They never ran out. And the Bible says that they were sustained. But Elijah leaves, and he gets word in 1 Kings chapter 17. It says, and now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And this sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. He died. So she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? How many times have we wondered, God, is this my lot in life? Your promises said that this was going to happen, and now I feel like I'm miles from the promise. And we question, and we don't understand it. And so Elijah said to her, he said, give me your son. He took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord. He said, my Lord God. He said, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged? He said, by killing her son. Look at this next verse. It says, and he stretched himself over the child. Three times. I asked my wife, I said, why did, why did he stretch himself out over three times? Well, here's what I believe. He was doing it until it worked. He kept stretching until it worked. If it didn't work at three, guess what? I'm going to four. If it didn't work at four, guess what? I'm going to keep stretching. I'm going to keep stretching. I'm going to keep stretching because I may not understand it right now, but God, I'm going to keep stretching until you answer because this is your promise and your promises don't die. This is your promise. So God, I'm going to keep stretching over this promise until something happens. I'm here to tell you, don't give up on God when it doesn't happen the way that you thought it was going to happen. Don't give up on God when it didn't happen in your time. Because I'm here to tell you, it's not about your time. It's about him getting the glory out of it. It's not about your happiness. It's about his glory. And you see what happens. See, what happens is whenever you begin to stretch just a little further, all of a sudden the power of God begins to be released through you stretching everything out. And you say, God, I don't understand it. And you begin to stretch in the spirit. And all of a sudden God shows up and it says breath came back into the boy. And she walked out and that widow said, now I know. Now I know that you are a man of God and you speak for God. I'm here to tell you that your promise may not just be about you, but it may be about the neighbors around you. That whenever they see the favor of God on your life and they see the power of God flowing through your life, when they see that you're willing to stretch just a little further, the power of God flows through your life. And now it's not just about your promise. It's about his people. When we understand that that man with the withered hand and Elijah stretched out over the boy, we see a physical action, a physical stretch. And that's what we see in the natural. But in the supernatural, what was taking place is the faith was being stretched just a little further. And God's never going to break it, but he is going to make that faith grow a little bit. 
and he's going to pull a little bit, and he's going to make that faith grow even further. And the only way that faith begins to grow is he says, I've got to stretch it a little bit. He said, it's uncomfortable, and it may not like it. I'm here to tell you, that man with the withered hand, it probably hurt because that hand was drawn up for so long. But he pushed through the pain a little bit, and he pushed through the agony a little bit, and he said, nevertheless, at your word, if that's what you're asking me to do, he said, I'm going to push through the pain a little bit. He said, I got one finger up. He said, so this thing must be working. He goes, I got two fingers up. He said, it's working. It's working. I'm here to tell you, the more you stretch, you feel the power of God come alive in you. And now all of a sudden, one finger was tough. Two was a little difficult, but three felt a little better. Four's all right. Five, guess what happens is all of a sudden, I have the power of God flowing through me. I'm here to tell you today, it may be tough right now. It may be difficult, and you may not understand what the end looks like, but I'm here to tell you, you don't have to know what the end looks like as long as you know that the promise of God is true and that if you follow his word, he will answer. We get, we get hung up on the details. We get hung up on the details. I found out the day that I thought that God left me, was the day that God pushed me into the corner and he said, now you can't do anything, but I can. I'm here to tell you, we love to celebrate a miracle, but we sure don't want to be in need of one. We love to celebrate the miracles and I love to tell the stories, but nobody wants to be in a miraculous situation because it means I need a miracle. I'm here to tell you, it's not a miracle if you were able to do it. Miracles are supernatural. They only happen by the power of God. So unless you're in a situation where you go, God, it's only you now. And he goes, good, that's where I work best. I don't do a tag team duo here. God says, I don't do group therapy. He goes, this is about me and my glory and my power. He said, I am the Lord and there is no one beside me. He said, so I work best alone. God's a solo act. He's a solo act, and you know what? It's a sold-out crowd every time he opens his mouth because everybody wants to hear what's coming out of the mouth of the master. See, I'm here to tell you, we get into places sometimes, and we feel like our back is up against the wall, and God, I don't know where to go on this. And he goes, look up. Look up. That's why David wrote, he said, he said, I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'm here to tell you, whenever you look around you and you get discouraged, stop looking around you and look up. Because when you look up, all of a sudden you recognize that's where my help comes from. Because as long as I'm looking around, then I'm looking what flesh and bone can do for me. I'm here to tell you, flesh and blood can't do a thing. But such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, it's not about what you can do. It's not about what I can do. But it's about what Jesus Christ can do in your life. Because when I get to a point, I promise you, This isn't popular preaching, so if you don't like the unpopular stuff, just tune me out for like 30 seconds. This is not popular in in, in our society. But God will get you to a place where you are solely reliant on Him. Because of the fact that He said, I need you to know. He said, one, I'm in control. That's number one. Not us. We're not in the steering wheel. This isn't a co-pilot situation. I'm a passenger in the back, and he's flying. Wherever you, go, wherever you take me, I'll go. Wherever you decide, I'll go. I recently flew. and if, you, if there's a bit of a delay in me, I apologize. Recently flew back. I got the opportunity to preach over in Zambia. 
And what an incredible experience. I had an interpreter, so I would preach, I would stop, he would preach. So if I stop every now and then, it's because I'm waiting on the interpretation. <laughs> but when we flew, it was, it was kind of cool. My wife could track my location across the globe. And as I flew, she saw what the flight plan was, and then she saw that we deviated from the flight plan. I did not have the luxury of going up to the cockpit and going, my wife said <laughs> that we're supposed to be going that way. <laughs> Boy, there's so many jokes there, and I'm just going to leave that one alone. <laughs> I didn't have the option to tell him, I think you veered off course, bub. I look at one point in time on the little screen, and I look, I look at the flight pattern, and I see that we're, we're crossing over the Red Sea. I went, you went north. And I'm watching, I'm like, what are we doing over the Netherlands? Go back. But I didn't have the luxury of doing it. That's what God wants. But see, the problem is God doesn't operate with a locked out cockpit. You can walk in at any point in time and tell him, I got this from here. And you know what happens is he'll move because he's a gentleman. And he says, if you think you can fly it, go by all means. And see, what happens is, is we make a mess of it, and he goes, now, he goes, now i got to pull up because we're about to hit a mountain. <laughs> see, God will let you get to a place where you go, this is bad news, and I need something fixed real quick. We find out God, God allowed his children to get to a place. In Exodus chapter 14, it says in Moses, so the children of Israel have now, have now left Egypt with the blessings of Egypt. I mean, that's the kind of God you serve. He doesn't just set you free, but he takes Egypt's money and sends you on your way. That's the kind of God I want to serve, that he goes, I'm not just going to send you poor and destitute. He goes, get their money on your way out, too. He goes, that's going to help fund the trip. That's all right. God sends them on their way, and you know what? Pharaoh changes his mind starts pursuing them. And the Egyptian army starts pursuing after Israel, and now they get to a standstill, that they are now with their backs to Egypt and their face to the Red Sea. And they go, well, now what? Any boat builders? One guy goes, I can make bricks. Get out. Because they're all going, we can't float a million people across the Red Sea in this amount of time. And you know what happens? God runs screen for them and he sends, he sends a pillar of smoke and all of a sudden it rolls between them and Egypt. And God tells Moses, he says, Moses, he said, you and I have been through a lot together. Here's what I want you to do. Exodus chapter 14, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the dry and made the sea dry land and the waters were divided and the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left I'm here to tell you what has been blocking you this long is going to be the hallway that gets you to where God wants you to go it may feel like it's keeping you out, and God says, watch, I'm about to take the very thing that's keeping you out, and I'm about to make it the runway to get you in. He said, everything that's been holding you back, everything that's been keeping you back, he said, I'm going to show up today. He said, the only thing I'm asking you to do is obey my word. Stand with me across this place. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. And what God is wanting to do right now, he said, if you will respond to his word, he said, the only thing I'm asking you to do, he says, I'm asking you to stretch your faith a little bit. He said, because you may be in a place that you can't get out of on your own. He said, but I'm here to tell you right now. He said that if you will open your hand and you will open your faith and begin to stretch it a little bit at his word, he said, watch what I can do. He said, that very thing that's been keeping you out, he said, I promise you, he said, that's going to be what gets you in.
Lift your hands across this place right now, mighty God. Come on, the word of the Lord's going forth right now. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There are those in here right now with impossible situations. You don't have a way out. And you need a miracle. You need a miracle. I'm here to tell you the miracle maker is here right now. The miracle maker is here right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a moment between you and God. Because you know right now what God is calling you. You know what God is speaking to your life. And so this is only between you and God. So what I'm asking you to do, as you feel God prompt you, I want you to step out from the aisle, step out into the aisle where you're at. And I want you to begin to take that step of faith. You don't have to know the answer. You don't have to know how this is going to work out. The only thing you have to know is that God is bidding you to come right now. And that if you will respond in faith, it's a measure of you responding to the Word of God in obedience and in faith. And when you begin to do it, I promise you, God's going to meet you in this place. And there will be a miracle that takes place in your life. I'm going to begin to pray right now over your life. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, there are those right now, God, that are facing, God, on difficult situations. God, they are facing impossible circumstances right now. And so I'm asking, Lord, that as they begin to come, God, that they're coming in faith. Lord, that I don't have the answer, God, but I do know that you are the answer. God, I don't have to know how it will work out, but I know that you'll work it out for their good. So I'm asking right now as we come in faith, I'm asking right now as we come in faith, God, that you would meet us in this place. I'm asking God that you would let faith be released right now. I'm asking that you would let faith be released right now. Let it be stretched, I pray, right now. Come on, whatever you have need of right now. Whatever you have need of right now. God is here. He's ready to answer.